welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. Glory to God. Welcome someone to your left and to your right, behind you, in front of you, and you have your seat in God's presence. Hallelujah. Tonight I want to quickly talk about the forces of divine favor. There are some things that only God can do. There are some things that only God can do. Only He can do it. Only God can do it. So when we talk about divine favor, it's divine, meaning that it is what only God can do. It is with God. It is not with man. It's an orchestration of God. It's an orchestration of God. It's a... It's a system of God. It's a planning of God. It's a, it's a design of God. When we say something is divine, it means that it is only God that can do it. That it comes from Him. It comes from the divine. It comes from Him. So when we say divine favor, we're asking about the favor that only God can do the favor that only God can bring a favor that comes from him and that favor is divine it is divine so tonight I want to talk about three of those forces that characterize the divine favor of God my heart desire is that as you trust God, as you put your heart and focus on Him tonight, one, you will get an understanding that God is on your side, and two, you will key into a prophetic grace that will open doors of favor for you. Doors of favor for you. The first thing you need to realize about divine favor is that it requires a process. It requires a process. Some time ago, um, I was, I was trusting God for something. I can't remember what it is now. And then in the, in the place of meditation, the Lord said to me, He said, if I cannot give it to you, or if I cannot do it for you, nobody can. So it made me realize that my trust and my hope and my confidence has to be with God. That at one point or another, my trust, hope, and confidence has to be with Him. So if He cannot do it for me, nobody can. Nobody can. So I need to realize that there are certain things and certain places I will get to that only God can do the things that I'm looking forward to 
happening in my life. That only God can. And truly even the things that man can do for us. If they are not inspired by God. If they are not um, influenced by the spirit and the presence of God. They will be limited. So the people that you trust. The people that you hope in. The people that you expect to do things for you. If God doesn't inspire them. If God doesn't put it in their heart. Then they won't do it for you. So why should I waste my energy and strength trusting man or hoping in man where I can just trust God? Because even the unlikeliest of persons, God can use if I trust him. The unlikeliest of persons. So if I'm confident that he that sits in the heavens controls the affairs of men, then I would rather trust him than trust men. The Bible says the heart of a king is in the hands of the Lord. And like rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he wills. And the Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So it means in all aspects, I have no business with anybody. I have business with my God. So even if you say that, okay, I'm trying to get favor from someone because, and I'm being good to the person. God is saying, because I am God, I can make your enemy favor you. So when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So when something is divine, it means it is only God that can do it. It's only God that can do it. Esther chapter 1 and from verse 1. It says, now we came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus. This was the Ahasuerus who reigned over 127 uh, provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign, he made a feast for all his officials and servants. The powers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces, being before him, when he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 180 days in all. So you can understand that he was no ordinary king. He was one who had authority, he had provinces, he had kingdoms. He could call a feast for 180 days. It was no small fiber. It was a big thing. He had the resources and everything. So he controlled things. He could move things. Glory to God. So on this day, the king called this feast. And then there was a queen called Vashti. Go to uh, verse 9. Say, Queen Vashti also made a feast for the women in the royal palace, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was married wine, he commanded Mehuman Bista, Habona Bigta, Agatha, Zeta, and Carcass, seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus, to bring Queen Vashti before the king, wearing her royal crown, in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials. For she was beautiful to behold. But the queen refused to come at the king's command. 
brought by his eunuchs. Therefore the king was furious and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men, who understood the times? Seven princes of Persia and Media who had access to the king's presence and who ranked highest in the kingdom. He said, what shall we do to Queen Vashti according to the law? Because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus brought to her by the eunuchs. I'm reading this, this history and story so that you see what Queen Vashti did and the process through which led to her demise looked all natural. It looked all natural. It didn't look supernatural. It didn't look like there was anything divine about it. It just looked like a natural process. The king even said, according to the law. It meant then at that time, the law was already written about um, something like this that would happen. Okay, so they had a written down procedure on how to deal with something like this. Glory to God. So, go to verse 19. It says, if it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it will not be altered that Vashti shall come no more before the king and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. And of course, you know, the decree went and somebody else was chosen. But here's where I'm going. Sometimes you're asking for the divine favor of God. And God begins a process in your life that doesn't look like it from the outside. Nothing on the outside looks like the hand of God. Oh, it's a normal policy in our office for them to do X, Y, Z. It's a normal process in the system for this to happen. This was a normal day, a normal occurrence. Nothing outside the ordinary. Nothing outside the ordinary. But not until you get to Chapter 2. And you begin to read. To see that. In verse 4 he says. Then let the young women who pleases the king. Be queen instead of Vashti. Before then. Follow me very carefully. Please I don't want to be distracted. Go to verse 5. It says, In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jah, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, the Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah, king of Judah. And all that. Verse 7. And Mordecai had brought up Hadezer, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. For she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own order. So it was. When the king's command and decree were heard. 
And when many young women were gathered at Shushan, the citadel, under the custody of Haggai, that Esther was also taken to the king's palace in care of the custodian of the women. Now this began a normal process. Nothing outside the ordinary. It looked like something that would happen naturally. It looked like um, something that was just a normal process that would run. I mean, you wake up in the morning, you um, have your bath, you get to, into your car and then you drive to work or you take a bus to work or you join the staff bus. A normal process. A normal process. Nothing outside the ordinary. Nothing outside the ordinary. So Esther was part of that ordinary process. She was part of the ordinary process. And then something began to ring in my ears. That could it be possible that the normal processes we run every day has some elements of the divine in it that we know nothing of. We have no idea. No idea. Absolutely no idea. So see what happened in verse 12 is of chapter 2. It says, Each young woman's turn came to go into King Ahasuerus after she had completed 12 months preparation. One year. According to the regulations for the women. For thus they were the days of their preparation appointed. Six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women. So this is one year to stay, um, to prepare. That's, that's apart from the period, um, which Vashti came before the king. And apart from the period where they had to go through the, um, uh, through the records to find out what will happen and everything, then apart from the 180 something days of feasting. So I'm asking the question. God started a process with you one year ago. Imagine if you were Esther. Imagine, just, just take a look into your life. Just flash back. What was I doing 12 months ago? What was I doing 36 months ago? That it looked like the hand of God is not there. That it looked like there was nothing divine about what you were doing. It was a natural process. But God was setting her up for favor. But it took a process. She had to wait 12 months. Twelve months. Verse 15. It says, Now when they turned for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor 
in the sight of all who saw her. After 12 months and some extra months. So could it be that the favor that God is setting you up for started two years ago? You had no idea. Could it be that the favor God is setting you up for started 12 months ago? But you had no idea that it was the divine hand of God keeping you, preparing you for a time where he will favor you. And that certain things needed to have happened before that time of favor. Before that time of favor. So I understand from this that divine favor requires a process. Many a time it will appear that nothing is happening on the outside. But God is working on the inside. And I make bold to say every day as a child of God that you live, God is setting you up for favor. By the things that you do, the things that are, that you are exposed to, He's setting, sometimes the favor may come two weeks. It may come three weeks. It may come, and in Esther's case, one year plus. Just imagine when Mordecai took her in and then she said, no, how can I? No, I don't want to live with my uncle. With my uncle, I'm a big girl. I want to stay on my own. It's possible she could have said that. I drive my own car. I make my own money. I'm a big girl. She could have said that. But God was setting her up for something that she had no clue about. That's where spiritual sensitivity comes in. Before you embark on something, before you go about something, you have no idea. 12 months down, 12 months is a long time. Let me tell you. You can't see that far, but by the eyes of the spirit. You cannot. I applied for a job one time. I applied in January. I was working somewhere else. But then I applied. They didn't call me. About six or seven months down the line. They called me. And they said. You come for an interview. I said okay. No, the first time I went, I went for the interview. Yes, that first one. And then they said, oh, sorry, um, the position is taken, but we will keep your resume in our pool. So I said, okay, no problem. So I left. Six, seven months down the line, in the same company I was, I was, work, I was working with the company at the time, and God said to me, he said, you need to leave. So I said, I don't have another job. He said, you need to tender your resignation. So after weighing it up, I 
went to my boss and said, I need to leave. So I tendered my resignation. I gave them 30 days notice. When I submitted the, re- the resignation, a few weeks down the line, the same company had, had, had gone for the interview called me up and said, Oh, there's an, there's an, op- um, an opening that just came up and we, we've looked through your resume. You are the best fit for it. And please, could you come for an interview? I said, wow, this could only be divine. So I went for that interview and lo and behold, I was just going to spend an hour and I ended up spending several hours because after the first session, they said to me, oh no, you must see, you must meet with the, as I met with HR, HR said, no, you must meet with um, a tech team or something like that. After I met with them, they said, ah, no, 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 you must meet the, the, one of the partners. Then I had to wait, I met with the partner. And I met with the partner. The partner said, oh, in fact, you have to see the MD. In one day, I said, I'm going back to work. So they couldn't get me to see the MD that day. They had to reschedule because the MD had to go out of the country. And it took me like another three weeks for them to reschedule me to see the MD because he had a very busy, crazy schedule. So when I went back to my company and I, it was time for me to, to leave, I left there and my, and my boss, I, I, when it was time for me to resign, I, I, I dropped the resignation that, um, I was going to go XYZ. So my boss saw the, the, the MD now saw the resignation. I had left the office that evening and then he called me. I was, I'd got into Keja. He called me. I said, ah, Joel, um, your supervisor just submitted your resignation. Um, yeah, I says, yes, sir. I said, okay, um, can you come back? Let's talk. I said, okay, sir, I'm far away. He said, I'll appreciate it if you come back. I said, okay, sir. So I, I got back and then I sat in his office. We spoke for an hour or plus. He asked me many questions why I wanted to leave and all that. I told him. Um, and then he said, um, I'm not going to wait for you till the end of the time. Can you drop your laptop now, your ID card and everything and leave? I was shocked. But then I wasn't too shocked. Because later, um, about a week or so, they called me to come see this other MD, um, the owner of the comp, uh, the chairman of the company where they wanted to get me employed in. And then they gave me an offer that was several times way down more than what I was in it. So when my colleagues, when I told them what happened, they used this word. Well, not like that, but something like, like you landed on a sofa. If you know, you know. Soft landing. So, there was no way I could have figured out in the divine agenda of God that the timeline would play like that. There was no way. Absolutely no. Everything happened like a normal thing. But what you should realize that as a child of God, there is nothing normal about your life. And you should never fit yourself in the status quo. That's how it happens to everybody. No, you are not everybody. You are not the masses. That's how it happens to everybody. So there was no way Esther would have figured out 
that this thing would lead to this and this and it was the divine hand of God. It was God's divine hand. It was his divine favor working for her. From the time her uncle took her in to the time where um, um, she was called into the palace and even the time when uh, Queen Vashti messed up and all that, God was setting someone up for favor. God was setting someone up. So divine favor requires a process. Many times it will look so ordinary. And it will look like nothing is happening on the outside. But as a child of God, you maintain the fact that you are favored of God. And you declare it over yourself. You lay your hands on your head. I am favored. Everywhere I go. My God. You know when the Bible says things like. In everything. Give thanks to God. For this is the will of God concerning you. It's not saying that. The thing that happened is the will of God. It's saying that. It is the will of God for you to be thankful. So you say. Ah. My brother, you are sick. Ah, in everything, just give. No, no, no. We are not giving thanks for the sickness. We are giving thanks because it is God's will that I should be thankful. So in all things, give thanks. In whatever situation, give thanks. Because you are favored. It may look like nothing is happening on the outside. But there is a favor working for you. When you hold on to it, six months down the line, one year down the line, you will see the divine hand of God and you will say, yes, it is God. Yes, it is God. It requires a process. God was giving me an illustration some time ago. He said, do you know that if it's my will for someone to be in another country, it could take him two years or three years for it to happen. But it's my will. From the first time the person prayed, I said, how Lord? He said, what will, what will be the process? He said, first of all, you will need to have what? A passport, right? You and I know that to get passport in this country as an ordinary citizen without any leg, just go to immigration office and stand at the door and say, as a good citizen of this country, I just come here to fill the form and get my passport. You will get it after your third children, your, your third child. So that alone will take time. Because the natural process will have to play. You will have to. You can't just stay in your bedroom. And then say God said I should be in America. America. Boom. That's witchcraft. And God doesn't do that. You follow. You will go to. You will go to immigration. You will face the visa officer that is angry that day. You understand what I'm saying? There there will be. It is God's will. But there is a process. So that it's taking one year and two years doesn't mean that the hand of God is not there. Is someone hearing me? Say God is taking so long. His hand is still there. There are processes. There are things to combat and fight. 
Okay, you now win the battle of getting the passport. You now go and face the US embassy. You now try to fix dates. COVID now strike. Then for a whole year, nobody. You say, God, but you told me. He still told you. He's God. He has not changed his mind. He hasn't changed his mind. Okay, COVID has finished. Now you go to the embassy. You say, ah, I want to fix dates. The dates they gave you is six months after. You say, ah, why are my village people like this? See, it's not your village people. It's a normal process of life. It has nothing to do with your village people. The hand of God is still on you. The favor of God is still on you. He's working. It's a process. It's a process. Then you eventually get the visa. You now say, there is no flight. See all the things you are contending with. And each time they come, they come to tell you as if God is not there. As if God is not there. But your resolve as a child of God is that I am favored. Regardless of the situation or the circumstance, I am favored. No matter how long it takes, there is divine favor upon me. Number two, divine favor works with seed and harvest timing. Seed and harvest. There is always the best time for seed to turn into harvest. And God preserves the seed until the harvest is ready. God preserves the seed until the harvest. If the harvest comes before its time, it's what? Immature. 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 Esther chapter 2 and verse 21. It says, In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Big Tan and Teresh, they sound like Kola's boss, Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told King Esther, And Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. And when an inquiry was made into the matter, it was confirmed and both were hanged on a gallows. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Nothing was done to Mordecai. There was no reward. Nothing at the time. Nothing. Nothing at the time. Favor works with seed time and habit. So the time that you've done good, you think that they did not remember me. Don't worry. God never forgets. He never forgets. Men may have forgotten, but God never forgets. He never forgets. So there are things you may have done that looks like no one remembers you. Stay encouraged. Stay encouraged. And then something happened in chapter 6. Let's go there quickly. Chapter 6 of Esther. It said from verse 1. It said that night the king could not sleep. Many times after. Time had gone. Mordecai had sown the good seed. He said the king could not sleep. So one, of, so one was commanded 
to bring the books of the record of the chronicles what we saw in chapter 2 and they were read before the king and it was found written that Mordecai had told Bigatan and Teresh two of the king's eunuchs the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus then the king said what honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? I prophesy every good seed you have sown. That every good seed that you have sown. That you have not been remembered for. By the God of heaven you will be remembered. In the name of Jesus. Your time will come and you will be remembered. The honor that you deserve. That looks like it has gone away. The hand of God will turn Policies will turn men in your favor and heaven will favor you in the name of Jesus. So they told him nothing was done. Nothing was done. Nothing was done. But the seed has been sown. So there is definitely a harvest coming. So God at that time preserved that seed. That Haman and Mordecai, the harvest I have for you is not now. There are seeds you have sown. You are thinking that the seeds have gone. No, 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 no. God is saying the harvest is in the future. Wait. You can't take it now. It's in the future. They have labored, have suffered. No. Yeah. Men may have forgotten you, but God has not forgotten you. He has not. Because his divine hand of favor is still on you. It's still on you. Ecclesiastes 11, 6, he said, In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. Say, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So when the right time comes, God's power will begin to toss things around in your favor. I declare, when your time comes, every seed of favor, every seed that you have sown in the lives of men, every seed you have sown to lift people up, when the right time comes, God will turn things around. He will shift policies. He will turn the hearts of kings on your behalf in the name of Jesus. The people you thought they have forgotten, Gotten you. Seeds of service and labor that you have sown. I speak in the name of Jesus. That when the time comes for your harvest. Things will turn around in the name of Jesus for you. It says the king could not sleep. Couldn't sleep. Say what must be done? Now this harvest was now ready. There are some harvests you should not call for quickly. No. No. It requires time. Some harvest requires time. They re- you, are, you are demanding for it. Oh God, I did this thing. See how they treated me. No, it's okay. Rejoice because there's a favor on you. That seed has gone to the ground. The Bible says a corn of wheat, when it falls to the ground, it will die. And when it dies, it will bring forth much fruit. So God wants what you have sown to die in the ground so that it will bring forth much fruit. Have you seen the bamboo tree before? When it's planted, four years, it looks like nothing is happening. But in the fifth year, 
the kind of growth it will take to go up will be so alarming. Some of you, your seeds are like that. In the ground. And gathering weights, gathering momentum. You are crying before God day and night. Oh, I did this. Nothing happened. I did that. Nothing happened. I've served here for long. I've done this for long. I've done that for long. But it seems like nothing is happening. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. That seed that you have cried before God. And lifted up your voice at night. And go on your knees at night and cry and say, Lord, where is my harvest? I declare your time is coming in the name of Jesus. I say your time is coming in the name of Jesus. When the right time comes, the power of God will toss things around just so to favor you. Say Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one that gave the increase. The most important factor in the seed that you have sown is the God that will give the increase. That's the most important factor. That's the most important one. Number three. Divine favor works with the principle of sacrifice. Of sacrifice. There has to be sacrifice. Has to be sacrificial. 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 John 12, 24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Many of you God has put you in certain places in certain systems and you feel that the system is not being fair to you. The process is not being fair to you. But God is saying, let this die. It will produce. Let it die. It will produce. It will produce. It will produce. It will produce. Why? Because my favor is on you. So when Haman came in from verse 6, the Lord asked them, the king asked them to get Haman. He was standing in the court. He said, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? So Haman thought in his heart, oh, who else would the king want to honor but me? And he gave him the formula and everything required to honor Mordecai. To honor Mordecai. Sometimes the people you think have hurt you or done you wrong are the people that God will use to recommend you. They would have spoken your increase and your greatness and your honor. Before they realize what they've done. Before they realize. Why? Because the divine hand of God is on you. Is on you. So God is saying, I'm taking you through processes. 
where certain things should just die so that you can bring forth much fruit bring forth much fruit and then to know that your harvest is in the future and i have prepared it for you prepared everything for you glory to god someone say i'm favored so there's nothing working against me everything is working for me nothing is working against me in the name of jesus stand to your feet Thank you Jesus. There's always a due season for the manifestation of your harvest. There's always a due season. I'm going to give you a few minutes to activate this favor and call on God. There's always a due season. The Bible says that It says you will reap if you faint not. If you faint not, you will reap. If you faint not. You're going to lay your hands on your head and say to yourself, the favor of God. I want you to say it out loud with all boldness. The favor of God is upon me. The favor of God is upon me. Everywhere I go, everywhere I turn, I experience favor. In the name of Jesus. Come on, go ahead and declare. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you. For listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.